Welcome to the Military Working Mom Podcast, where we provide women like you information and resources to help you navigate the balance between mom, wife, and military life from pregnancy through motherhood. No matter your branch or status, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Drea Jones. Let's get started. Welcome to the Working Military Mom Podcast with Drea Jones. You're listening to episode three, my birth story. Hi ladies, today I am so excited to tell you about my birth story with Trip. And I love birth stories because every single one has their own, none of them are the same. And a birth story for me is from pregnancy all the way through labor to when your little baby, either boy or girl, is born. So I wanted to share my birth story with you because to be frank, That is the only way I was prepared for my own experience, was listening to others. So as soon as I got pregnant, I started asking everyone I knew that had a baby or was currently pregnant, what they were going through, what their experience was like, because I was not around a lot of young children growing up, nor pregnant women. And honestly, I really didn't take an interest. I was more of an animal person growing up. So I was about to discover a whole new world. Before I begin my story, I want to tell you there are three things that I truly believe when you are pregnant that you should be prepared for. One is to educate yourself. And by educate yourself, I mean every pregnant is different, so you need to be aware of all your options, right? We all should have a pregnancy wish list. I'd call it a pregnancy wish list and not a pregnancy plan because a plan is almost set in stone where a wish list, it's a desire, right? And you might be like, no, Andrea, I know what I want, but you never know what's going to happen and you don't want to be disappointed. Um, And that is one of the best pieces of advice that I was given when I first became pregnant. One of my friends came up to me and was like, okay, Andrea, the best thing to do is have your desires, but be open to anything because anything can happen and no matter what, you're not a failure. So if you want a natural birth, train for it, prep your mind for it. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. You're still going to have your child. And in my opinion, there's only two different kinds of births. You have natural and you have cesarean. Natural is anything that comes out of the vagina, no matter if you are medicated or not. And the cesarean, of course, is cesarean. So as soon as I learned I was pregnant, I started reading. And I wanted more than just the medical terminology books because I started flipping through some and they were all the same. They were just week by week, what was going on with your body what was going on with the baby. And I knew there was more to pregnancy than just that. So the medical book that I used that I really liked was the Mayo Clinic's Guide to a Healthy Pregnancy. And it really broke it down to its simplest form of what's going on. It gave you stretches each week, what you can do. Um, I really wasn't a huge fan of the what to expect when expecting. And then, like I said, once you read one medical book, you read them all. So then I switched to the like nitty gritty books that have been written on what really goes on in your body and they're really fun reads. So I have a recommendation that I absolutely loved. I read a few and again, just like the medical ones, when you read one, you get the gist and you really don't need to read too many of them. So the one I absolutely recommend and was a wonderful read was Jennifer McCarthy's Belly Laughs. And if you're not a huge Jennifer McCarthy fan, Don't worry, this book was one of her first ones written before she was political, so it's just amazing, down to earth. It goes the ins and the outs, the goods and the bads. Nothing is off the table for her from hemorrhoids to constipation or 
you name it, she's got it in there and she'll let you know what you may go through. So after reading those books, I was still looking for more, more alternative methods, you know, what can I do? What are my options? Again, I was not educated at all on pregnancy. So I turned to podcasts, and before that time, I had not listened to any podcasts. My husband had listened to a few, so I was aware of what they are. I just didn't take an interest. But I'm really upset that I didn't start earlier because it's a great way just to pass the time in the car or while you're on a walk, especially when you're pregnant. And I had two amazing podcasts that helped me so much. And they were more alternative methods, so not your normal medical practice, but your doula, your midwife's your pediatric chiropractics, your home births, different methods of starting contractions. They were just absolutely amazing. Highly recommend them. So the two are Informed Pregnancy Podcast by Dr. Elliot Berlin. And the second one that I loved was All About Pregnancy and Birth by Dr. Nicole Rankins. So I'll include all the books and the podcasts in this episode's podcast notes so you guys can go check it out. And then, of course, you can just add this podcast to your list. All right, so that was my first lesson on just be educated. So lesson number two that I learned was don't compare your body or your pregnancy to others. Again, every pregnancy is different. Every woman's body is going to change during pregnancy quite different. And it's not based on what you've done. It can be just genetics or just what your baby's doing inside. So I was pregnant with a few other friends at the same time. And let me tell you what, ladies, I'm a pretty petite person. But I was so jealous because my little baby in there was popping out a lot earlier. So I was like, man, was I not more fit? Am I eating too much? Am I doing something wrong? Uh, I gained about 50 pounds, I think, maybe 45 during pregnancy. So more than, you know, the books say you should. But honestly, there is no guideline. Just be healthy and whatever your body does, let it happen. Your body will tell you what it needs, but also... You know, when I say don't compare your body, it's more of, you know, are you already getting stretch marks? Are your feet swelling? Are your ankles swelling? Hey, my fingers are getting bigger. You know, my face is getting bigger. You know, my hair is not as shiny as it used to be. Just don't compare anything. Just love your pregnancy. Love the body you're in. You are creating life. And that is amazing. And then finally, number three is share your story. Share your story no matter if you're in pregnancy right now to share what you're going through. Because believe me, girl, you are not going through it alone. We have all been there. We just all have a different route to get there. So now I'm going to share my story with you. First, it did take us a little bit longer to have a baby because not that anything was wrong, even though I did have my hormones were a little out of whack. However, Brad and I are dual military, which means one of us is normally always gone working long hours or weird hours to where we don't see each other too much during the day. And when we started trying to have kids, he was gone TDY all the time, I swear. So when you only have a few days during that ovulation period, it is rough when they are gone. So it's not like we could try every single month like a normal couple. We had to realize that we could try when we were with each other. But other than that, we had to accept the fact that this was going to take a while if we didn't get pregnant. So it did take us a little over a year, but in October, like late October, I just got back from a month in Germany, which by the way, that also contributed to why it took so long is I was super stressed at work. So that'll be another story. So I went on a TDY to Germany for two weeks and then took another two weeks of just leave to travel the country with my sister who lived out there at the time. And it was so relaxing. 
I came back and I was so relaxed and so happy to see Brad that boom, we had a baby and we're just going to leave it at that. So I got pregnant and I think we found out end of October timeframe and it was hard. We had a miscarriage before a year before that. So this time we didn't want to tell our parents right away because it was rough telling them and all the family last time that we were no longer having a kid because we had sent out cards and everything. Um, So yeah, we just weren't going to tell the family until after the first trimester. And that was our personal decision. But it is really hard because our families are close and we're going to visit them during Thanksgiving. So my first trimester was probably the worst. I was not the one just to be nauseous all the time. No, no, I was the one to like have it come up. And not in like the normal places when you see in the movies, you're like, oh, I wake up in the morning and I run to the restroom. No, I was fine during the morning. It was when I was in the car, when I was in an airplane, when I was in my awesome office that I shared with my superintendent. Poor guy. But mine seemed to be coming on through motion sickness. And I've never really been motion sickness before. But let me tell you what, lifesavers, if this is the case for you, or if you just you know, aren't the one just to be nauseous, you actually upchuck, is to have amnesis bags. Amnesis bags are those blue round throw-up bags in the hospitals that expand and they're plastic so it's not like paper. They are lifesavers. So my nurse friends gave me some of those and I put them in my car. I put them in my purse. I had them stashed all over the place. And let me tell you what, again, highly recommend them. When you go down to your next hospital visit, just grab some out of the nurse's office. So yeah, So sickness everywhere. That was really hard. Like I said, we were going to visit my parents and they didn't know yet. So this was Thanksgiving time frame and we got up in the plane. I was by myself and (laughs) we were in takeoff and it hit me like, oh no. And like I ran back. We're still like, you know, going up in the air. They're like trying to usher me back down. It's like not happening. So I get out of there and explain, you know, grab ginger ale, grab my cookies. And then from then on out, all my other flights, I learned that as soon as I board, I go to the back, I ask the stewardess for a ginger ale and cookies or, you know, granola bar, whatever they had, and I'd go back and sit down. So I didn't care that I had my drink before everybody else. I had what I needed, so I did not get sick during takeoff. So know that you are not an inconvenience. Just do what you need to do to get by that phase. So my nausea phase lasted 14 weeks, so a little longer than, you know, the normal 12 weeks that you hear, but it ranges for everyone. And other than nausea, really the worst thing was the tiredness. Oh my gosh, I was exhausted. Now, during the day at work, I was fine because I was up, I was social, I was talking, but as soon as I got home around 5, 6 o'clock, I was out. And again, we were trying to hide it from my parents and we, you know, FaceTime a lot. So they would call, Brad would be on TDY, and I'd be just like, oh no, Brad is gone, I'm super bored, and it's wintertime, I'm just going to go to sleep early. Like, But no, I was so tired, and I would sleep for 12, 14 hours straight. However, I wish I would have enjoyed more sleep in like the second and third trimester, because now I get none. So that was really about it for the first trimester, then the second trimester happened, and that's when it started to hit me that I was pregnant. So I finally started showing about 21, 22 weeks. And at about that time, we decided to go to Hawaii for our baby moon. So Brad was there for work and I was coming in after him for a week just to visit. And let me tell you what, ladies, when you fly and you're pregnant, 
make sure you move around because your blood circulation needs to keep going or your feet can start tingling or swelling, all that good stuff. And Hawaii is a long flight. So it was painful. You know, luckily I didn't have the nausea anymore, but oh my God, I was like untying my shoes because my feet were hurting so bad. They felt like they're like the Hulk, like I was going to pop out of them. Oh, it was so bad. I just got down um, after what, the 12 or 18 hours, whatever it is, took off my shoes, got on my sandals because I'm going from winter to summer. And it took about a day for the swelling to go down, but it was just painful. So my recommendation is to wear compression socks, walk around, something to keep your blood flowing and do not wear tight shoes at all. But so we enjoyed that baby moon to the fullest, even though I couldn't drink. It was a blast. Highly recommend baby moons. And my second trimester, I was not erotically charged at all. Brad would almost say that I was not in the mood at all during pregnancy. And it was so hard. Again, I had to keep telling him not to compare pregnancies because we had friends that were, you know, pregnant at the same time. And they were telling stories about how their wife is turned on all the time and it's the best. And he was not getting that. And he'll probably kill me for saying this online, but it's okay because again, we all go through different, you know, phases and you need to know that it's okay. And he needs to suck it up. So now we're about at the 26 week mark and I am starting to show, I had my, I just got into my OCPs and they had not come out with pregnancy OCPs yet. And I did not want to go back into my ABUs that I had from when we had first tried. So before, when I mentioned that miscarriage, I had bought pregnancy uniforms. So luckily I had them. However, I was like, no, I am not going back. I reject, will not go back and get boots and all that good stuff. So I just went out and bought bigger uniform for OCPs. And I wore that because I was in denial to wear the pregnancy uniform. But man, if I knew how comfortable it was, I think I finally switched when I was about 28, 29 weeks. Oh my God, it was so comfortable. The stretchy belly, I had no more belt digging in me. I wish I would have just given in. But it was definitely, I did that because I'm going to say it was just a vanity move on my part. I didn't want to be, you know, quote unquote, the pregnant woman at work. And because I am a high paced person, I didn't want that to tell everyone that, hey, I was going to slow down or, you know, I wasn't going to be here or I was going to try as hard. So I really did everything in my mind not to be pregnant while being pregnant. So again, just out of pure vanity, my goal was not to wear tennis shoes the whole pregnancy, which I was lucky enough to do so. I didn't have swelling until 40 weeks and by then I wasn't at work. But yeah, all in all to say, don't resist the uniform. Get into that maternity uniform, use it, and you can use it after pregnancy if you need to. So now my third trimester really was nothing notable. It was pretty easy going, but it was like senioritis. All I wanted to do was to get this little guy out of me. And here's another lesson learned, ladies. My expectation was that Trip was going to be born on the 4th of July. Now his due date was the 5th of July. And how awesome was that going to be? We were like, oh yeah, this is going to be America's baby. We've got military family, pilot dad. Like it's going to be America's baby on the 4th of July. So that's a day before his due date. And I had read so many places that babies normally don't come on their due date, but you know, there's always a chance. And I really believed it was in the stars for us that this baby was going to come early. Well, the 4th of July came, I waited underneath, you know, the fireworks. I was waiting. I was like, 
come on, baby. I had my little tank top on, my sandals. I like had my belly puffed out trying to get the vibrations from the fireworks to make them pop out and start contractions and nothing happened. It came and went and I got really depressed. Like Brad finally had to be like, look, this baby will come when it'll come. But all I wanted to do now was get this thing out of me. Like I was over it. So on the 5th of July, when he was due, we went back to the doctor's and we scheduled an induction date because when they looked at me, they're like, oh no, you're like zero effaced, zero dilated. Like you're not even started. This baby's really liking the home that he's in. And that also was heart-wrenching because from all the stories I had heard, you know, they were always a little bit effaced or for weeks beforehand they were effaced. So they knew things were happening. And in my mind, my body wasn't working like it should. Like it didn't know what to do for pregnancy. So also at that appointment, I asked to be sweeped. And if you've never heard of that, it's when the nurse or midwife or whoever will take their finger and sweep the inside of your cervix. And that can stimulate contractions or labor. You may hear stories like, oh, I got swept and the next day I had my baby. Like, no, that didn't happen for me either. This guy was holding on even though he was sitting really low for like four months or five months with his head down there. So so needless to say, no intervention was working. I was drinking the teas, walking, running, having sex, even though it was uncomfortable. Like I was trying all the methods that I knew, like eating spicy foods. The lady at the Thai restaurant like knew our name. And, and every time I went there, she was all like, oh, you're not having your baby yet. Like, no, no, I'm not. He's still here. <laughs> like, oh, it was so horrible. But enjoyed the sleep while we could. I got a whole extra week of it because he did not come. So we went to our scheduled inducement date. And when you get induced, and at least here where we gave birth, they wouldn't let you go past 41 weeks. And that's only because as you hit 41 weeks and you go past that, there's an increased risk for stillbirth. And I wasn't willing to take that chance. So we had scheduled inducement for July 11th. Now, needless to say, remember, I had planned trip to come 4th of July. So I was done. We went in there that night to get induced. We had our bags packed. We had our goodies. Brad had his blanket and pillow. We were ready. And they went over the progression on how inducement goes. And luckily for our case, we only had to use the misoprol. And that's basically a little pill they put up your vagina every four hours to start effacing you. So to start thinning you out. And so that started at 7 p.m. And they can only do about four doses. Well, luckily I only got to like, I think two or three doses And about 7 a.m., so 12 hours later, I was trying to rest, I was sleeping, and I was startled and awakened by a loud snapping pop. Like, my water broke. And I freaked out because I was, like, on my left side sleeping, and all of a sudden, if you've heard it before, it is literally like like you popped one of those packing bubbles. That's what it sounded like. So I, you know, threw a pillow at Brad, woke him up told him to go get the nurse and my contractions started about 20 minutes later, which was good because it was just enough time for me to jump in the shower and get all that stuff off me. Now, I will say this, before my contractions started, the whole time leading up to this point, in my mind, I was planning a natural, unmedicated birth. Now again, that was a wish, not a plan, I guess. But Brad, on the other hand, Like, for the past three months, he was like, hey, Andrea, your pain threshold is, like, nilch, and you're going to get all the drugs. Like, all the drugs. That was his words verbatim. All the drugs. 
And I had to finally talk to him and say like, hey, look, I'm only going to be able to do this if you're behind me and you're supporting me. So I don't know if that got in the way, but let me tell you what, those contractions started after the water broke. And maybe I do have a low pain threshold because it hurt, like for reals hurt. So when you're in labor and you're on the bed, there's a screen on the side of you where the nurses watch your contractions. So if you're listening or reading about labor and they talk about your contractions come in waves, well, that's because it's kind of like a little heartbeat monitor, but it's your contraction. So as you're uterus starts to contract and the muscles squeeze, you start getting a wave. So it starts to go up, up, up. And then at the top of your contraction, so the, like the strongest point of your contraction is the crest of the wave. And then once your muscles start to release, it goes down. So that's what it means as your contractions are coming in waves. I was watching my quote unquote waves and they were so tiny, but they hurt so bad. (laughs) Like, oh my God, it was so bad. So I had my eyes closed and I'm holding the edge of the bed. I'm like trying to breathe through it, trying to relax my muscles, you know, thinking of everything that I had learned. But again, I had never gone to a birth class other than the death by PowerPoint that was provided by the hospital and it just wasn't working. Like it hurt. So about four hours went by and I was like sweating. I was crying. I was over it. I tried to go to the bathroom because I felt like I had to pee. So it wasn't the poop sensation like, hey, the baby's coming. It was like, hey, I got to use the bathroom. Can I go? I literally was in so much pain. This isn't to scare you. This is just everyone has their own experience, right? So I was in so much pain that the nurses had to help me to the toilet. And while I was on the toilet, I was sweating. I was shaking. It was in that cold sweat. I just couldn't take it. So they had me sit in the shower after I went to the restroom to cool off. So I wanted to go in the tub, like the little jacuzzi cub you can sit and labor in, but that wasn't happening because I sure as heck wasn't getting in there. So I was just sitting in the shower and I remember leaning against the wall about to pass out. Like it wasn't good. So they brought in a little stool for me to sit down. And finally I was like, I have to get back in bed. Like this is too much. Like something's going on. (laughs) I think it's about to happen. Right? So we bring me back in bed and they check me and they're like, oh dear you're only four centimeters. I'm like, oh. I like literally started crying. And then I remembered at four centimeters, you can have the epidural. It's like, you know, the minimum opening that they'll allow. So sure as shit, I got the epidural and I don't regret a thing. Actually afterwards, I was like, look, there is a thing called pain and then there is suffering. And I was suffering. Like my body was just not having it. So I got the epidural and it was just amazing. All of a sudden, it's not like you can't feel the contractions. Like you can feel the sensation. You can feel the pressure, almost like someone's squeezing your leg. There's just no sharp pain anymore. So it was wonderful. And I didn't see the needle. I didn't want to look at it. And fortunately, I had learned beforehand to sign all the documents ahead of time. Because know that even though you signed the epidural paperwork, does not mean you have to get it. But I'm so glad I did because if I had to sign that paperwork while I was shaking and everything, it just wasn't going to happen. So anesthesiologist came in, you know, prepped my back. Luckily, there's only two of us in the labor room that day. So he came in really quickly and uh, Brad saw it. He freaked out, but he didn't tell me that till later on. 
And if you're afraid of getting an epidural, don't be. So it's not like it's going into your spine. It's going into the spinal cavity. So on the bottom of your spine, there is a gap and that's where it gets injected in. So it is fluid though. So you have to rotate every like 30 minutes or an hour. I forget what it is in order for it not to, it's called, you know, sliding. So that liquid going to one side. And that's normally when people say that it doesn't work. I'm putting quotation marks up, doesn't work, is because they're not rotating or they're not moving as much. So it's sliding and then you can start feeling it. So got the epidural, everything was going great. And then they checked me an hour later and they're like, oh good, you're progressing. And then another hour later, I'm still at the same point. And they're like, oh crap. So my body had plateaued, which basically means it wasn't going any further. So I had plateaued at six centimeters. So they shot me up with a little bit of Pitocin, just a small, small dose, because I really didn't want Pitocin. But luckily I already had the epidural. So if you have Pitocin without an epidural, you definitely feel the contractions, because that's what kicks it in. But since I had the epidural, it was fine. However, I fell asleep. And like I just said, when you have an epidural, you have to shift every 30 minutes to an hour. And I didn't, because I fell asleep. So I woke up in pain, all of a sudden, because I was looking at the screens again that have the waves, and I was like, hey, Brad, I can feel it. Like, this isn't right. I can feel it. So I'm over there, like, pushing my little button. So when you get an epidural, you get, like, the little nurse help button, but it releases more liquid or more fluid. So I'm over there, like, pushing it like crazy, but it was already maxed out. It's like a placebo. It only allows you to push the button so many times when it releases, but I don't care. I'm like, pushing it, holding it down. Like I really want some more. It's not coming. So I have Brad call on the nurse and I explain, I was like, look, I'm feeling the waves. Like I see it and I feel it and it's not fun. And she was like, okay, we can do a boost. So basically it's like another quick rush of epidural for you. So she puts that in me and I feel the cold liquid go through me again. And it's just wonderful. Again, there is a difference between pain and suffering and I did not want to suffer because my body just was not having it. So finally, I get that sensation. Like, I've got to poop. And at this time, remember I started, my water broke at 7 a.m. It's 3.45 in the afternoon. I was over it. Like, I just wanted this thing to come out. It's a thing right now. Not a baby. So I'm feeling the waves closer and closer together. And I'm just breathing through it because it's actually really fun when you have an epidural and you're not feeling the pain because you just like feel the contraction. You can actually see your stomach rise up when it contracts and then release back down. Um, So it's really interesting, but I felt all of a sudden him go down and I felt like I had to poop real bad, but I didn't want to push. So I told Brad to go get the midwife and I told her, I was like, look, I think it's about to go down. I feel like I have to poop. And she looked at me and she checked me out. She's like, oh no, you're only at like nine and a half centimeters. You're not quite there yet. Don't push. And I looked at her and I was like, no, it's coming. I'm going to push. No, 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 don't. So like, I must've looked crazy because I was just like, I'm going to push. Like this is happening. So I flipped on my tummy, like my arms and my legs. And even though I had an epidural, I actually still had control. It just felt really weird. I had to be cognizant of where my legs and arms were. She drops the bed down low, like the second half of the bed. 
and I'm up there. She put pillows under me and she's like, okay, you can start pushing. And I looked at her and I actually started crying because I was like, I don't know how, <laughs> like, how do I push? And again, back to my number one point of educate yourself. Like I did not go to an in-person class. I had no freaking idea what I was doing. And she was like, go ahead and just act like you're pooping, but don't put like, don't push from your butt, push like, you know, from your vagina. <laughs> okay, sure. Whatever. So I start pushing and it was absolutely insane. The whole hospital had a power surge and the lights flickered real quick on and off. And then all of a sudden our room went dead. Like the lights came back on, but that little monitor that had the waves is gone. And here's the thing. When they start making you push, they say, Hey, when you feel a contraction, go ahead and push. Okay. Well now I can't see like when I'm having contractions, right? Cause I'm not seeing those waves and I can't feel anything. Cause again, there was, when I was relaxed and laying in bed, I could feel the contractions. Now that I'm having all these sensations over my body, I really couldn't tell when one was coming cause they were so close together. Like it's just basically literally a wave. And the doctor's and the nurses and the midwives at this point, because they're all in my room, start freaking out. But they were so amazing and not showing it. You could just kind of hear it in their voice. Like, okay, the screen's not coming on. You go ahead and try to fix that. I'll grab the stethoscope. So now they're going like old school. So they no longer have like everything hooked up to me. They pull everything off and they start going old school by putting the stethoscope on my tummy, you know, making sure they're listening to my heart rate, the baby's heart rate. And so I've got like five hands on me. They're telling me to push. I don't know when I'm having a contraction. So I just start pushing whenever I think I'm having a contraction. And it takes them about 10 minutes to finally get everything going again. And in that time, I figured out that I could not labor on my hands and knees. And, you know, go back a couple of months. I wish I would have studied the different positions that you could labor in. All I knew was either, you know, on your fours, standing up, which I was not about to do because you can't when you have an epidural, or your back. But my midwife was like, look, lay on your side. It's more natural if you go on your side because I guess your bones tend to open up naturally. I don't know. But anyway, so I laid on my right side. I gripped the bed rail with my hand. My eyes were closed the entire time as I was breathing through because now I can feel it. Like the epidural was still there, but I mean like you can feel something going on. You can feel pain. This thing is coming out of you. And side story, the whole time I was pregnant, my midwives were like, hey, this baby's so like average, it's going to be seven and a half pounds maximum. Okay, keep that in mind. So I'm pushing now, I'm on my side, and she says, use my shoulders, like take your feet and put your feet on my shoulders to help you push. It'll give you more leverage. Like midwives are amazing. So I'm putting my feet on her shoulders. I'm actually like doing this as I'm talking and I'm starting to push and I can feel the hemorrhoids starting to happen. Like my butt hurts, which stinks by the way. So she's amazing. And she takes her hand, she puts it on my butthole, which feels really weird. And she was like, don't worry, I'm going to help you. This is going to keep the pressure. You're already getting some hemorrhoids. I'm going to push so you don't get any more. And she told me later on, like, just ask your midwife or doctor, whoever is doing that to you, it's like a little butt hug and it, it'll put pressure against your anus so that way the hemorrhoids don't pop out. And believe me, I'm so glad she did because it really did prevent more from happening than what already did. 
I digress. So I'm pushing and, and I've never been one to doubt myself. And I was saying crazy things that I never thought would come out of my mouth. I was in labor land and I was sitting there holding the bed, like telling Brad, like, is he out yet? Is he out? Why isn't he coming out yet? I can't do this anymore. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, why isn't he coming? Because he kept, his head kept crusting and then it would go back in. Like, okay, okay. He's almost there. Give me one big push. I'm like, that's the worst thing to say. Cause I'm like, I'm already freaking pushing. Well, how much more do you want me to push? And finally I get him through and it actually, I only labored for about 17 minutes. Like, pushed for 17 minutes, which isn't long in the big scheme of things, but it felt like forever. So Trip was born at 419 and I absolutely loved the practices um, that I had read about. So I had requested delayed cord clamping and skin on skin contact. So basically Trip came right up out of me. They didn't take him to go get washed or anything. They put him right on my chest and it was absolutely amazing. So I think they clamped the cord at about like the minute or two minute mark and then cut it. Um, and Brad actually got to cut it even though he didn't want to. I'm so glad he did. And they also pulled him in when it was all happening. It was really funny. They're like, oh yeah, come look at this. And now when we watch movies, he's like, that's not what it looks like. But highly recommend your significant other be involved in that process, no matter if they want to or not, they'll love it later on. So I had trip on my chest doing skin on skin contact and it just helps them bond better and it has a better chance that they will latch. So he starts to breastfeed and honestly, I didn't know if he was going to take or not. Going back to my point of just be prepared, be educated because you don't know how your birth is going to go. I had heard friends go both ways. Like hey, my baby took right away, or no, it was really hard, they didn't latch, it was traumatizing. So I just didn't know what was going to happen. But luckily, he latched right away, he was amazing, and it was an amazing, amazing experience. Now, I do have a few regrets. I regret not having my parents, not at the birth, but waiting at home. So originally, we had given all our family a two-week hiatus, give us two weeks so Brad and I can bond with Trip. And I so thought that was a good idea. I was sticking to my guns. They tried to get me out of it. Even their friends tried to, you know, talk me out of it. And I was sticking to my guns. I was all for it. Day three rolled around at the house and I was like, please come here. I was like crying. Lack of sleep. Didn't know what I was doing. Hadn't made anything. It was just ridiculous. Those That first week is absolutely an oblivion. Um, so they came in at the two week mark, but I just wish they would have got here sooner. And then my second regret is I wish I would have had a birth photographer. At the time, it seemed weird and intrusive, like invasive, but there's so much stuff going on in, while you're giving birth that you probably wouldn't even recognize them. Like I said, my eyes were closed the whole time and they actually had asked me if I wanted students to come in while I was giving birth. And originally I was like, yeah, let's do it. And at the end I was such in pain. I was like, no, get them out of here. So... Yeah, I wish I would have had a birth photographer just to keep those pictures. Luckily, our midwife did snag my phone. Um, she actually asked Brad for my phone, and she took a few pictures. Uh, they're a little blurry, of course, but we at least have them of, like, when he was on me. And But I wish I would have had some professional ones that I could keep. So that is Tripp's birth story. He came out at 8 pounds, 11 ounces, not 7.5 or less. 
eight pounds, 11 ounces of love right there. And the rest is history and it's been an absolute whirlwind. I am still struggling with some postpartum repair issues, but now I'm working with the devoted mamas from the last episode and it's really starting to help me get back to where I need to be. I hope you enjoyed this episode listening to my birth story and just remember when you're going through a pregnancy, no matter if it's your first, third, tenth, always educate yourself on all aspects of possibilities. Remember, it's a wish list, not a birth plan. Don't compare your body, your pregnancy to others and share your story. So with that being said, if you have a story that you want to share, go ahead and reach out to me at Andrea at the militaryworkingmom.com. You can find the links to the books and podcasts I referenced on this episode's podcast notes at the militaryworkingmom.com slash episode 003. And don't forget, if you don't feel like reading, audiobooks is offering a 30-day free trial to all military moms, and you can either find that in the podcast notes or on our affiliate support page. Until next week, enjoy navigating your mom, wife, and military life. Thank you for listening to the Military Working Mom podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please click subscribe and leave a review to help us reach more military moms just like you. And then to save time and receive posts as soon as they come out, join our email list at www.themilitaryworkingmom.com and follow the Military Working Mom on Facebook to join our community of women as we discuss topics, ask questions, and share stories in a safe, judge-free environment. We are here to provide you with answers that you need. Don't forget to join us next week as we continue to help you navigate your mom, wife, and military life.